Welcome everyone to the 14th episode of the Cassandra Properties Podcast. We are joined today by Sean Conigan. He's the president and CEO of Valpac, a local business owner who we have had the pleasure of working with over the last few years. We're really excited about this guest today. Uh, we've had some some great experiences together and he's got quite an interesting history. So with that, uh, Sean, let's jump right into it. Thanks. I appreciate the... Uh the introduction. Sure. Um, I finally made it. I've arrived. Right? You have arrived, I baby. I 52 and I've arrived. <laughs> the, you made it to the Cassandra Properties this, podcast. This, this is some setup, by the <laughs> Thank way. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. It's, uh, it, we're, we're very proud of it. It's something that um, you know we wanted to, to give exactly what we're doing today. We wanted to give fellow small businesses an opportunity to come in and just talk through, you know, what's happening out there, the challenges, any issues that they wanted to cover, and just give everyone a platform to communicate what the message was, you know, of the day, if you will. Yeah, I became a fan very early on. Thank I've, you. I've been tracking your podcast and, and uh, you know, it's going to be a hard act to live up to in terms oh. of uh, <laughs> s- some, some of your previous guests, but I'll, I'll do my best. In fact, uh, my mother always told me I have, you know, this this great face for radio. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you picked up as soon as you came in. Uh, I'm cleanly shaven today. Yeah, I I did the post COVID cleanup, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, ironically, I I made the same decision yesterday. I you know must be kindred spirits. So. Great minds, baby. Yeah, I I just said you know for for, for the audience, I gotta I gotta do this. So let's, uh, I, I want to jump back as we often do, right? We want to go back to the beginning and the origins of your childhood. Where were you born and raised? Where did you grow up? You've got an amazing history and it's something I really wanted to share with the audience. So take us back. You're born and raised in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn, New York. Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Bay Ridge, baby. Yeah. Uh, it's now Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, I was born in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, uh, 74th Street, 5th Avenue, uh, our Lady of Angels student. There you go. One of five. Yeah, one of five. In fact, this is the size of the room I grew up in with everyone. Wow. Right? Yeah, there were seven of us. Um, but a fantastic upbringing. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, some great friends, competitive spirit on the block. It yeah. was just uh, a- an amazing upbringing. So, yeah. It's it's funny. I was talking about this earlier um, with one of my colleagues and they were asking how my kids are doing in school now because they're back in school and it's I didn't give credit when uh, this first happened and it was you know okay school is going to be shut down for a period of time Um, I remember as you know being a kid for me like school's out it was like yeah all right we're not gonna have to go to school but it was different when we were kids yeah right you know it was playing outdoors all the time right from the time we came home from school, it was stoop ball, stick ball, whatever it was, manhunt, riding bikes, having a good time. But that's not the case today. You know, the play dates and, you know, everything is so structured and scheduled. Uh, it, it's just, it's not like it used to be. So for the kids, it's so important for them to be back in school and for them to have that socialization. And that's really the main contact point, if you will, for the kids. But when we were kids, that wasn't the case. Far from it. Obviously, technology being a big part of today. But, um, you know, thinking back growing up, you know, the, the tie would be off. Yeah. The shirt would be half off. Before you get into the, uh, in my case, the apartment, 
Um, but, but yeah, that was the thing you look forward to was getting changed and, 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 and back on the street. And it didn't matter the game that was being played. Uh, you know, it was something that you sort of looked forward to before the school bell went, you know, without a doubt. So, um, You've got a very interesting accent for a guy that's born and raised in Bay Ridge. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so how does this come about? So take us from uh, you, you went to Catholic school yeah. and something somewhere cl clearly has happened for you to have this profound accent. So, so um, on, on my mother's side, uh, they, were, they were from Ireland. Um, my mom was first generation. Uh, and my dad had moved over from Scotland uh, in, in the early fifties. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's the whole connection between, uh, the, the accent. Ultimately what happened was, um, just over time, you, you know, you play the sport your father plays. So, sure. um, I, I, I played soccer at a very young age, very young age. How, how young of an age are we talking? Uh, knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah, like as soon yeah, as you could stand, we're talking, you're yeah. After furniture surfing, right? <laughs> I've got a ball, right? And I pretty much slept with it every day, and and that was my that was my thing. I I, I love the game, and, and um, yeah, I did that very competitively at at a very early age. Was this something Dad did in a in a competitive way, or just not, was it a hobby a for tremendously Dad? Tremendously competitive way, but um, you know, in, in in Scotland, it's it's all sports here in America rolled into soccer, right? So everyone plays the game right you know and and that was that was um their upbringing you know uh play it in the street play it everywhere at school uh but you know if you kind of take all of the sports here baseball football basketball you know all of those sports you know the concentration of of, of the country and we were, you know at, at that time scotland although a very small country four or five million people um did very well on the international stage just because of that concentration of, of playing. So um, my dad got me into uh, the game very, very early, and, and um, I had an opportunity uh, to go and play over in Scotland. And at what age was that? So I went over for the first time at, at, at 10 years old just to see family, spend time with them. And, uh, you know, I, I realized that this was my dream, you know, Everyone played the game. Now you you gotta remember down you know at 1978 there weren't many people playing the game in in this country. Yep. Not, not anywhere near the. Uh, sure. You know the. We were late adopters. Late 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 adopters, but uh, caught up quickly. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I arrived and immediately fell in love with it and traveled back and forth for a couple of years and then an opportunity unfolded to go and live with my uncle and aunt and go to school and. Uh, play with a professional club on, on, on an academy basis and then ultimately uh, pursued a career in, in soccer. So, so I, I've known you now for at least four or five years. I had yeah. no idea about this. So at what? So I have to ask a couple of questions here because this is really interesting for me. Sure. You have, you're one of five. Are your siblings, do they play also? Yeah, they do. I, I, you know, later doctors, as, as, as you had mentioned, uh, my, my older brother, Tony, who... Uh, really never picked up the game, but a tremendous athlete picked up the game when he was about 14 years old and, and got into it in a very big way. 
um, and, and ultimately went on and got a full scholarship and, and was a four-year All-American. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so whole family's into it. And the way you phrase that um, puts perfect context, right? So here in America, we've got our basketball and our hockey and we've got our soccer now and we've got our football and right on boxing and on and on and on. Imagine all of that noise gone, one sport, that's the focus, the passion, right? Yeah. It's, it's an unbelievable passion that we see overseas. So you, you're in Scotland for the first time when you're 10. What, what, at what age did you go and actually enroll and, and start playing? So I was 13 and a half. I 13 had fin and a half. finished my uh, freshman year. I went to Bishop Ford for uh, that one infamous year. Uh, happened to win the Brooklyn Queens Championship. Really? I, yeah, it was interesting as, a, as an incoming freshman. And um, that was a tremendous success for the school. They, we had never really uh, amassed any sort of awards up until that point in time. Uh, so that was exciting. And, and a lot of the uh, club uh, players, you know, I played for a, a club in, in, in Brooklyn called Sporting Club Yoa on 62nd Street between 8th and 9th. Great club, by the way. This was a club of champions. Everyone who came over from Europe ended up playing at, uh, at uh, your club in Brooklyn, which is still there, by the way. So you're 13 and a half years old, living what must have been a dream, right? For, for me, I grew up, I loved football, but again, we had all the distractions. I, I played basic ball. I played into high school and you know, got hurt in high school. And back then, when you tore a knee, it was, I was undersized anyway. So I had the passion, but I was way undersized. So I can't even begin to imagine at 13 and a half living a dream, right? You're, you're now overseas and are you, is it, do you play just in one place? Do you travel? How does that all come together? It's, it's, um, everything, right? It's, it's, it's all in. So all in you, 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 you play at school, mm -hmm. right? You play for your school team. Uh, and then you go into the professional academy at night. So you play for the most part, four nights a week. Um, and then you play a, Play a game on a Saturday or Sunday, depending on. But you're, you're wow. traveling. You're traveling from city to city, which could take anywhere from three to five hours. Wow. Yeah. So that's nothing like here in America. You are all in. I mean, four nights a week, weekends playing at school. This is what you want to be when you grow up, right? You want to be a professional soccer player. Yeah, and that's all I wanted to. I, you know, I was really lucky, right? Early on, I knew what I wanted to do. And, and I think that that is uh, – actually, there was two things that I fell in love with really young. Number one is soccer, mm -hmm. right? And the other two was sales. Sales. Yeah. I, I just I, – I loved I loved speaking to people. I loved developing relationships. Uh, it, it's, it's actually probably what, what was brought on, fostered by my mom and dad, yep. right? They were open people, you know. I wouldn't say gregarious, but – Definitely, you know, loved life and uh, knew, knew how to have a good time, knew how to poke fun at each other, sure. right? Um, and, and that's part of growing up in a, in a big family, in a small household. Yeah, something we don't do nearly enough anymore is poke fun at each other in a lighthearted way and, and just, you know, let our hair down a little bit, right? So um, here you are pursuing your passion. And, and on the sales thing, um, that's something you either have or you don't. You either are a born salesperson or you're not. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think that um, a lot of it has to do with your, your personality, right? Sure. I, 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 I 
you know, at this stage of my, my career, I, I probably look back and say, I've never sold anything in my life. What I have done over time is made a compelling reason for someone to invest in whether it's a media campaign um, and they ultimately make their own own decision what's good or bad for their business. Yeah. But early on when it was when it was raw and I was selling chocolate bars, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Want to buy a chocolate bar? <laughs> so, so 504 Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Right? So what is this about? This is about my mom. Okay. You know, my mom, my, 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 I, I called the chocolate factory because, you know, she had this really, really unbelievable way to bring out the best in all of us. And you would think the easiest thing to do when you have four kids, one right after the other, right? We were Scottish quads, if you will, right? Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Right. And then big gap and, and, and my youngest brother, Brian. But, um, she, you know, the easiest thing would be to, is to, you know, well, Tony's doing that. Aren't you doing it? Right. And, and never always resisted the temptation to to do that that's amazing but brought the best out of each of us in our own particular way um always struggled at school i'm gonna be honest with me you. too from 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 the from the onset um i i thought it was a waste of time and that's not my opinion now yeah but at the time uh, it was interfering with my soccer right <laughs> um but but i i I did find a love for for um, for selling, and uh, there was these chocolate drives that you would have at, at school, right? Sure. Sell chocolate bars in the in the beginning of the year, yep. And and then at the end of the year, you would sell raffles. So my mother said, "Well, why do you compete this year?" So from, you know, first grade, and I'm like, "Yeah, maybe, mm -hmm. okay." So order a box, and I go out and I have pretty good success. And I ordered another box and another box and 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 I could feel, you know, um, I I know the audience can't see this right now, but that this yeah, right the passion I, 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 that you know, two hands clenched and you go, oh my goodness, I love this right, and it's the competitive drive that that that, that kicks in, and by the end of the cycle, I had figured out what banks were open late, where, where to stand at the subway. Right. Uh, what banks might let me in yep. <laughs> to the bank. And, 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 and I also took um, I, I, I also took a competitive element from how other people were selling. Some people's parents worked in financial institutions yep. and the parents would go out and sell them. And I was, you know, I, I don't want any part of that. I, I, I want to do this off my own back. And I think the biggest uh, thing was winning the bike. Right. I always wanted a bike. I didn't have a bike at that point, you know, at, at that time in my life. And in fact, we didn't have a place for a bike. Right. Right. Because we were in this apartment and the only place you could put it is in the basement. So we ultimately, and I ended up winning uh, the, the first time around and, um, and, and big, big pizza party for the whole class. Yep. And it was, it, it, you know, the adulation coming, you know, just being a champion at something at such a young age made, made me feel great. Won the bike, ultimately sold the bike, <laughs> and um, you know, as as raffles came around, you know, I started selling raffles. Yep. And and yeah, so by the time I left, I, I had won sixteen bikes and sold them all. See, yeah. that that's amazing, right? Yeah. So, I said earlier, you can't teach that, and 
uh, it's hard to explain. You, you, you either have that drive in you or you don't, right? There's a certain level of fierce competition, right? You want to be the best at what you're doing. There's a confirmation that we take from this, right? The success that we have as we go through these things. Uh, and, and you won 16 bikes. <laughs> won 16 bikes. And this is the, this is the competitive side of it, right? Uh, my, our mom would, would, would always, you know, when there was a, maybe a little dip in form, oh, so, so um, I see you're not going out today. <laughs> you know, it's just that little nudge, you yep. know. But remember, if you relax, somebody else might, might overtake you. And it was just that little gentle reminder to say, hey, you got to get busy. If, you, if you're going to be successful in this life, whatever it is, whatever you preface success as being, um, you got to get busy. You got you, you to gotta get on it. So fast forward 10 years, right? 10 years, Brian's born, uh, who's now my, my, my partner in Valpac. Um, of course, it's his turn to sell the chocolate bars, and he isn't going to be left behind, right? right. So, so Brian, you know, his big thing was can he outsell his bigger brother, and, and he ended up doing it. So, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, great story, and he still, he still pokes fun at me today <laughs> about it, you know? <laughs> that's absolutely outstanding. Yeah, so that's the chocolate factory. So you're 13 and a half, you start your career, not much time for anything else, right? You're hustling and, and school kind of becomes secondary. It's interesting. Um, you, you really can't, you don't understand it when you're a kid going through school and it's, you're just not clicking, right? It's just not hitting for you. And I remember as a kid being so frustrated that because I was competitive and that was uh, for me, anything that I did, I wanted to excel at. And just for some reason, the switch never flipped on for school. And it's not until you're much older in life and you can kind of reflect and look back and understand there were just different motivations for you at that point. And, uh, you know, I can see that we're very, very similar at that point. We're thinking we're, we're smarter than this. We don't need this. We, you know, but the discipline and the forced discipline, if I had more guidance in that area. I think I could have excelled more at school, but uh, I just, uh, I've always had this kind of spirit and, you know, where I felt a passion, look out. And if I didn't, it was tough. So grades for me were not always the, the forte, you know. You know, <clears throat> concentration can only be divided in so many ways. Yep. And, you know, when I look at... Um, problems, equations, whatever it might be in school, I, I was problem solving on the soccer field, right? right? I was thinking about last week's game, what we, what I could have done. But by the way, I've learned way more from my losses than I have from my successes yep. um, in, in the game. And I, I, I think it's been the greatest teacher in business. Yep. You know, um, when you think about 22 permutations on a soccer field, right? Those, those ever-changing angles. Um, yeah, I... I, I, I um, I just couldn't ref. I, I, you know, school. Um, again, I, 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 there's. I, I am gonna finish, right? I am gonna. Yep. Uh, get back to it. You know, it's like wanting to run a marathon, right? I've always wanted to run New York. I didn't want to run any marathon. I wanted to run the New York marathon. I finished that a couple, uh, three years ago. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. Wow. And, and so, so that was a a lifelong goal, and and. So I'm, I'm going back and checking the boxes. You know, uh, what, what was that uh, Henry Button, right? Is, isn't that the, 
the film with um, Benjamin, Benjamin, the, the curious Button. case ben, of Benjamin that's Button. That's it. I'm, I'm going backwards. Yeah. I'm going backwards. I love it. So you're in this career in soccer. How far did that take you? I mean, what heights did you reach in, in soccer? So re- rewind a little bit. Um, I think it was around nine years old where I, I entered into a McDonald's skills competition. It was a tri-state uh, uh, sort of event, and you went to various locations throughout the New York tri-state area. Uh, I want to say there was about eight or nine rounds in the finals, so this is what drove me. The finals were going to be at Giant Stadium before a Cosmos game. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who know, New York Cosmos were a hot property at the time. They would sell anywhere from forty-five to 65,000 tickets yep. on a regular basis. So I, I um, go through the eight rounds. I, great. Of course, it's uh, 108 degrees mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on, on the day of. But, um, you know, I, I, I hear that Pele is going to be at the stadium. Oh, wow. Um, and, and, of course, you know, if there's anybody you want to perform in front of, it's, it's, it's the man, the man himself. So, um go through the rounds and I, I, I'm tabulating in my mind, you know, as we go through each level of competition, what's, what's happening here. And, and I'm, I'm saying, I, I, I'm in with a shout. I think I'm in, in with a shout. So, um, it unfolds. I, I actually end up winning wow. you know, the, the, the New York tri-state, uh, McDonald's skills competition. And not only was Pelly there, he was there to present the trophies. Oh, you're kidding me. So <laughs> no, <laughs> it's kind of how I felt. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I had the pleasure of meeting with him, speaking with him for, for a good bit. And, and uh, once, uh, once he had presented me to that trophy, there was, there was no going back. It was only one person I wanted to be like, and it was him. That's remarkable. Yeah. To meet your, your idol, uh, and not even to meet, to have your idol recognize excellence in the same field and be presented with a trophy that has to be one of the defining moments in your life. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely uh, jumps off the page for sure. I um, have some great photographs of it, and, and, and I remember the day vividly. You know, my dad with an 8-millimeter camera sure. watching me juggle <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and having my siblings there. You know, it, it, was, it was an amazing day and, and uh, certainly um, part of a, a nice chapter of my life. That's remarkable. So wh- when do you come back stateside? So, uh, I want to say I started frequently coming back around uh, when I was 21. I, first of all, I never really left for an extended period of time. I always went home for Christmas, mm-hmm. always went home for um, a portion of the summer. Um, and, and, and yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm always connected or yep. there's a family member or two coming over and, and visiting, so... I've never, never really lost my roots for New York. So you're back full time. We'll call it 21 years old. And yeah. at that point, uh, do you jump right into a sales position, or what? What happens then? <laughs> so, <laughs> let me characterize this as the time in my life where you figure out what you don't want to do. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so m- my dad was a um, stonemason, right? Uh, Union stonemason, uh, tile setter, and, and uh, uh, the trades. He was uh, an excellent craftsman, and um, he had got me into into the local union, which was fantastic. 
full mechanics wages as an apprentice. It was sure. an, an exceptional um, opportunity. Um, but after about three months of, of doing that, I realized very quickly that this was more of a sentence than, <laughs> yeah, than, 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 a, you know, than a career path and, um, that I wanted to pursue um, because it, it, just, it just didn't, uh, it didn't correlate back to my, one of my first loves, which was sales. And uh, I, I was very grateful, thankful for the, for the opportunity, but this just wasn't didn't good. click. It, it, it didn't click, and and um, you know credit to to him. It put us through school, and um, yeah, it, it, it got. Did us it bother school. Dad that it didn't click for you? Um, I I think initially because it was so hard to to, to get the opportunity, but um, you know just I guess was left sort of saying, hey maybe try and find something before you right. You know I, I was you know that was it. I I needed to to check out and I needed to go and. Explore and I, you know, I had been living on my own, uh, James. I had, you know, I, I had a mortgage when I was uh, 17, turning 18. I had already been living a soccer life, and you know, was keeping in touch with sales, doing that on a on a part time basis. So um, it was okay. I was I, I grew up very quickly. So you you exit the the Mason field. It doesn't click. It's not for you. Yeah. You're you want to pursue something in sales. What's the next chapter? My love, right? Which, uh, which is, I get into media sales, mm-hmm. and immediately I know that this is this is the career for your me. home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there was a company in Long Island, and uh, I, you know, I was very fortunate. My uh, my brother-in-law, who, who had worked for the company in another capacity, got me the interview, and uh, I knew I knew from that moment. Yeah, I went to a three interviews yeah and it yeah it was unusual because i didn't have a college degree uh they they typically were you know, looking sure for, looking for college grads i for the most part had really except for selling chocolate bars and raffles right <laughs> had no had no sales experience of notoriety i uh, sold photocopiers uh, while i was in scotland but um yeah it, but i i went in Right, I went. I went all in. Did they take into account the passion for sports and the success in in the sports field? Great question. Great question. Um, in fact, the last interview, uh, the interviewer asked me if if I was to get a phone call to, to come back and play, would I do it? And, <laughs> and uh, it was a very tricky question. Um, and of course, the answer was yes, yeah. unequivocally. Uh, he so he appreciated that honesty, and I think. One of the questions he did ask was, um, "What what intrigues you about sales?" And and uh, and and again, it's I get back to the just that that drive, that adrenaline rush that that comes from uh, someone saying yes, and and ultimately, you know, ultimately going along with your way of thinking. Yeah. yeah. So. From that point to your launch uh, or your acquisition of the Staten Island chapter, if you will, of Valpac, fill in the gap for me there. What happens in between? How long of a period of time is this? <laughs> so it, it's it's within uh, twenty four to thirty months. Okay, it, it all happens very quickly. Um, I, I, I'm working for this company, Advo, and they were a fantastic company. Their training was tremendous. I probably wouldn't have um, 
quick started my my Valpac career if I didn't have that mm-hmm. that foundation in media. So I'm forever grateful for for everything. And and of course I paid that back in spades by applying myself uh, for the most part 24/7 just to learning the business and and um, uh, driving the revenues that uh, that 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 supported. faith in me yep. you know um so two things re- happen very quickly one is I, I i get a phone call to show up to manhattan uh to to come in for an audition 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 okay yeah. and i was playing semi semi pro for a club in, in brooklyn and come in for an audition for an at&t commercial they're filming they're filming a, 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 a long-distance telephone commercial, and and they're looking for actual soccer players. So I go for an audition. I got asked. I got a callback, callback, and another callback. And next thing you know, after like six or seven callbacks, I actually landed a a, a spot for an AT&T commercial, which was. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy. I, I, you I were was in never, an AT&T commercial? Yeah, ne- never off TV. I was doing a bicycle <laughs> kick, speaking, <laughs> speaking part. And, and um, yeah, that, that, that sort of was, uh, that's, was some of the supporting cash behind, behind helping me uh, buy, buy my Valpac franchise. So it's the two worlds collide. And, and um, yeah, so I'm off and running. I'm 23, 24 years old. And, and uh Amazing. I'm, I'm in. I'm in Valpac and walking the streets of of Staten Island. Now we we have to sidebar a little bit here sure. because I learned uh, a few minutes earlier that's not the only time that you had an acting gig, if you will. There was a a brief appearance in Saturday Night Fever, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, that is true. That is true. Oh boy! So uh, for those of you who recall, Vinny Barbarino. Yeah, that's it, Peter. <laughs> Everybody recalls Vinny Barbarino. Vinny Barbarino. Oh my God, is that you? Yeah, I am. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is me. Wow. Is me. Yeah. In fact, the four people in that are obviously is, um, yeah, my, my sister is leaning up against the wall and I'm standing there with my brother, Tony and, uh, and Moira Smith. We'll get back to uh, Moira and who she is and what she means to our family. Um, maybe, maybe at the end, if, if we, if we have time for it. So. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, where were we? Okay, so, <laughs> Vinny Barbarino is apparently coming to, to Bay Ridge to film, you know, this, this movie. I don't think it had a name at that point in time, but, um, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we think it's a total, total fallacy. However, three, four o'clock in the morning, next thing you know, caravans show up, the streets are cleaned, and, Next thing you know, we're running downstairs, and, and a director asks, "Would you like to be in a movie?" Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just like that, and and of course we 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 jumped at the chance, and uh, my brother Thomas went up for uh, cornflakes, and he he didn't he didn't make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and basically we got uh, we got to meet Vinny Barbarino, and um, yeah, we got the day off of school. That was our, that was our reward for 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 the for the, for the uh, cameo appearance in Saturday Night Fever. So you you yeah. get to meet John Travolta. Yeah. You're you're doing AT and T commercials completely out of the blue, but that that is that speaks to the entrepreneurial spirit. 
right? You, you kind of feel like you can do anything. And that's remarkable. For me, it was a very different experience. For me, and I've shared this uh, in some of my older videos, I've always been, and I'm, I'm, I was embarrassed to, to share this, but I'm not anymore. I've become comfortable with it. I was always driven by fear, which served me well because I had one focus. From the time I came out of school, I was in real estate. That was it. As you can imagine, growing up with mom, that's all I knew. It's all I was around. So for me, and for a very long period of time, up until the recent past, maybe six or seven years ago, before I started to get involved in some other ventures and other businesses, it was real estate. I knew it. It was my click. It was my home. And I was good at it. You know, I had a passion for it. Uh, I believed in it. Once I believed in the product, sure. that was it. it. You know, you're not selling. And I didn't learn this until recently with, with business coaching. It's not so much that you're selling a product. You're selling yourself, right? You're, you're out there and you're connecting with people and they're feeding off your energy. They're feeding off your passion. I had no formal training in that. It just, you knew it and it was what I did. So for me, it was a fear of being outworked. It was a fear of being outsold. It was a fear of being out hustled. So I would double down, triple down, quadruple down on my efforts and I would just go, 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 go. But that same fear did not serve me well in that it limited me in doing other things. See, I never would have pursued going up and taking an audition for a commercial. I never would have done those things until now. Uh, the, again, the last few years, I've gotten much more comfortable with this. Uh, but there, in, in the entrepreneurial spirit, I found that it cuts two ways. You either will go and try it all and you have no fear of failure and you keep running or you get super focused and no matter what comes your way, you're just not going to get knocked down. So I've learned... Uh, and I've learned more in the last few years from venturing out and getting out of my comfort zone and getting knocked down, right? Picking myself back up and not only recognizing that it was okay, almost in a weird way, enjoying the experience, yeah. right? Of kind of getting knocked down and saying, hmm, there's all these different opportunities and avenues to learn that I didn't pursue earlier in my career. So, um, <clears throat> I, I applaud you. I really do applaud you because I never would have had the opportunity, not the opportunity, I never would have had the confidence, quite honestly, to step that far out of my comfort zone. So that's really remarkable. Sometimes you don't know what you're in until you're in it. Yeah. <laughs> or you get, you know, and, and I think jumping off, right, at jumping off, there's a, we have a little bit of a, an age gap between us, but you know, with having older siblings and, 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 you know, playing soccer in front of um, decent numbers, you know, you, you, you kind of get away from that, that, that fear factor, you know, uh, performing and, and, uh, just taking chances, you know, it's, it's, um, I think, you know, in, in today's society, we, you know, there's so much between winning, losing, you know, and, and I, I think soccer teaches you very quickly, right? How to win. Yeah. How to lose. Yeah. How, you know, how to pick yourself up um, when, when uh, you know, it's maybe Tuesday after the game and you got build up to, to the weekend again, it's, it's, um, yeah, I think there's just so much, so definitive. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I, you know, I think you'll agree with me on this one is, is that, um, 
you know, winning or losing, is, it's not definite, right? <laughs> you, you have to keep going forward. You have to continue to innovate and, um, and, and, and find new ways and never get comfortable. Yeah. So that's how we met actually. Yeah. Right. So we met because back when the retail apocalypse, if you will, had just begun to, uh, show the result of where this was going to, to head. Uh, we had a common client, Dave Berman, who yeah. owned uh, some retail holdings. And to his credit, he was open to uh, our idea of this is a new day and you, you no longer can leave the tenants to, uh, as almost independent entities, it's traditionally been Landlord on one side of the table, tenant on the other side of the table, you do what you do and we do what we do. We saw that there was through this change, and of course technology drove so much of the change, that uh, you had to partner with your tenants, right? You had to really uh, work with them in lockstep to not only promote the center as a separate entity, but you had to work with the tenants in conjunction uh, with a common goal of a live, vibrant center uh, where you're able to drive traffic, drive footsteps, and in turn, drive sales, yeah. right? So you were the only company that we uh, had come across that when we spoke to them about this, you know, they weren't like, well, wait a minute, contacting tenants and getting permission to incorporate into flyers. You were like, absolutely. You whiteboarded it for us, right? You had us come in. We grabbed lunch. I think it was me, Dave, you, your brother, and Rebecca, right? We posted up in your shop, and we spent a couple of hours just whiteboarding who were the tenants, what were events. You guys came up with a list of great events, um, you, and we basically said, okay, here's how we're going to do this. We'll contact these people. You guys actually stepped in. So for the property owners out there, I would encourage you to contact Sean and his team. They're super innovative, and what they did is they actually contacted the tenants, and it wasn't just the mom and pops. You guys had relationships on a different level with the corporates. Yeah. So you were able to reach out. And this may sound like it's a simple thing to do. It's not. Right? <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we've had enough calls on this to understand yeah. that you guys were like, you were. It was, it, it was wonderful. You were all in. You were like, yeah, we've got relationships with these corporates. The ones we don't, we'll cultivate relationships with. So it was a credit to everyone involved, right? Yeah. And, and you know, you look at Dave and Murray and, and and yourself, it was about, right, leadership. That's why they call it leadership, right? Because you're the first ones to go, yeah. right? Or you, 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 you lead the pack, if you will. And, and um, I think when creative minds get together with a common goal, you figure things out very quickly. And everyone had something to offer in, 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 in the outcome, and, and, and it worked very well. It did. Yeah. We, we ended up generating... Through these events, uh, we had lines with hundreds of people in them coming to do an Easter egg hunt was one of them. And, you know, of course, the traditional pictures with Santa and you generated an online campaign. We did a lot of community donations uh, where we gave away uh, like for Black Friday, I think it was twenty five hundred or five thousand dollars we gave away to a shopper. But then we also matched money and gave it to charity. So it was a it was a, a nice run. And you guys generated a lot of activity in a very difficult time. And, um, and, and now it's going to be even more difficult, right? Yeah. So we, we, um, we're already looking at how do we change trends, right? How do we rebound? How do, how does everyone rebound? Yeah. You know, 
Um, and I think that's, you know, we've been thinking about this since early March, yep. right? Of, of okay, um, are our people okay? Is, is everyone around us okay, right? How do we, how do we now help our customers um, how do we be of service to them first and foremost, right? Because I've been in business a long time and, and you know, if, if you're just in the transactional business, it gets ca caught up real quickly sure. and you're out, right? So you have to have a, a long play, mm -hmm. right? And then, and then you also have to have a short play here. And I think that um, the things that we're implementing to, to keep our customers happy and keep consumers connected to those customers, that's the catalyst of, of what we do. So I think it's important, uh, if you're from Staten Island, or you're from Brooklyn, you'll, a good chance you know Valpac, but uh, I'm proud to say, uh, through the brilliance of Petey over there in the corner, he now has us in over 50 countries. Uh, we have an audience for the podcast. We have 8,300 subscribers on YouTube. So I think it's really important for us to press pause for a moment, explain to the audience who Valpac is, what do you do? Give us a, a, a nice, well-rounded roll-up of the company. Sure, do. Petey, can we get the uh, can we get the subtitles going? <laughs> 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 yeah. So the history of the the, the company is is uh, it, it's not unique because most great companies start in a garage, right? right. And and uh, Valpac is no different. Uh, the the, uh, the founder Terry Label, ironically, his name is Label, um, gets a gets a package in the mail he's reading it through and, and, and uh, on the beach in tampa and uh, all of a sudden eureka the light goes on and, and says you know i wonder if i can put some people together some local local businesses and starts going around no charge just let's let's go out and see if this works yep and um sample 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 next thing you know they they have a printing press in the garage and and then then it expands and it, it, it grew very rapidly um yeah, for fifty-two years now, it's it's uh, fifty-two years. Fifty-two years going strong, nineteen sixty-eight, and um, we mail forty million households monthly wow. across America. And, wow. and you know what? What, what I love about uh, what we do is is on a local level, is we help we help local business. Yep. That that is you know if there's one thing that keeps me excited is is that. Knowing that ringing someone's cash register ultimately impacts the family and the employees of everyone that works within that company or organization, that gets me excited. Um, commerce, right? We've, we've sort of created our own um, currency, if you will, James. And, and, and that's, you know, I have to tell you, you know, being in Staten Island for as long as I have, um, that, that was one of the things. It, it probably wouldn't have worked if I had started somewhere else. Staten Island gave, gave me the confidence uh, to, then, to then branch out into Brooklyn. I know it usually happens the other way, but yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and it was inviting. And it's an interesting business community because if you have something of notoriety and, and you know, you're visible, mm -hmm. you'll get a chance. Yes. You get a chance. Yep. And, and, um, and, Took that. took that. So, so you guys, when uh, traditionally or historically, when you you say Valpac, you think of the direct mail campaigns, right? That's kind of the the envelope comes and it's got the coupons in it, and that's traditionally. And 
quite honestly, when we sat down, that's how I had known Valpac. But I guess technology, as it's disrupted so many business and really every facet of our lives, it disrupted what you guys did over there too. So it's not direct mail anymore per se. It's direct mail and you've got a whole litany of services over there now. Yeah. So it's about customer acquisition, right? Uh, consumers change their habits and their behaviors, right? Obviously the laptop became portable uh, through, through smart devices. And, you know, that was the time when we had to say, okay, this is now going to be impactful to our customers. We were really listening to what they had to say and how to serve them better, which has ultimately became our social media services, our web development services, uh, or, or all things what I consider con uh, customer acquisition. So you guys now are a full a full service company. You guys are doing branding, you're doing SEO, you're doing social media services, you're you're doing uh, the mobile adaptations, right? Because these phones have become such an extension of everything we do. It's not good enough to to build uh, a magnificent site. It has to be able to integrate and be fully functional on all of the different type of devices that we have today. Yeah, our job really is, is, is a, as a full-service local agency, is to do the things that small business knows they need to do. They just don't have the time and the expertise and maybe the creative aspect of it for it to come live. So we help, it, we help take them to market. So um, Take that hat off, right? Because we all, as small business people, we, we all wear multiple hats. And if we can uh, take away that marketing hat for them, that's... That, we, we, that's our sweet spot. So that's a big, a big problem for small business, right? So, um, my business coach, Chad Reyes had, uh, communicated, um, with Rob Nixon to me recently, do what you do best and pay for the rest, right? Yeah. As entrepreneurs, we have a habit and it's a bad habit of having our sweet spot, having our gift, having what we absolutely do better than anybody else. But because we're entrepreneurs, we can kind of touch and move different facets of the business forward. And when you're starting a business, the inclination is uh, things are tight. The budget's tight. Let me try and move this forward. Let me handle the branding. I, I've read a couple of articles about SEO. I understand a little bit about optimizing my mobile site. I understand. And good Lord, is that not the case, right? So uh, it's so critically important for the small businesses out there. Um, if you haven't had the opportunity to sit with a professional company like Sean's, uh, it is night and day, right? When you sit with a professional and you, you now have a counterpart where my passion and my gift is deal making. I am a deal maker through and through born and bred. I'll go up toe to toe with anybody. And I believe that in my heart when it comes to deal making and visioning, you were the counterpart for marketing, advertising, branding, all of those other things that are outside of, right? There's the negotiation of the deal. There's the vision of finding the property and seeing what, what it will be down the road, getting it entitled, selling the product. But then there's the marketing of this stuff. Yeah. So to sit with a counterpart that shared this vision in their field, that shared this passion in their field, started to open my eyes to, hey, wait a minute. So it's all great points. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing is, is that you're in the real estate business yeah. where, where, where you have a physical property 
that demonstrates the value. I think what, one of the hard aspects of, of what we do in media is, is wh where did the attribution come from? Uh, you know, how do I quantify the expense? And, and you know, I want to say it was about seven, eight years ago, my, my brother and I had developed a, a technology called PackTrack. PackTrack. PackTrack, yeah. We would actually trademark the name. And, and ultimately, the, the idea behind PackTrack concept and proven concept is um, to take elements of every campaign, whether it be social media or cooperative direct mail, and, and tie in all of the technologies, phone, internet, search, and bring that all in, together into one dashboard. So, so the customer could see if they spent three, four, five thousand dollars, whatever the number is, what was the attributable return on investment? So that was, that was, uh, is this live now? It is live. Yeah, it is live. And, and, um, yeah, that's how we sort of operate our business and demonstrate our value to our customers. So at the end of the day, what I care about, right, is my ROI. What's my return on investment? Yeah. What have I spent in this particular campaign and what are the quantifiable results? So you're providing a dashboard, a one-stop shop kind of place where I can look and see different campaigns, what's clicking, what's not, what's working, what's not. Because right. something I also learned, it's not just getting in front of that audience. It's getting in front of that audience at the right time with the right message. Yeah, it's stimulating action, right? Did, did we get customer A to move down the sales pipeline to, you know, to, to Z? Right. Yep. <laughs> and and how did how did that journey how did that journey happen? And so we can go back to our customers and say, well, you know, prior to our relationship, we didn't have all of these elements deployed, but now we do. And here's here's the value that goes along with it. That change that was a game changer. I, I bet it was. The moment we could take away the ambiguity of our value. Was was tremendous. So uh, you and you're continuing to innovate. I, there was something you touched on offline before we started that registered something for me, and I'll share why. So I'm working with uh, some business partners now in the the new world, right? Yeah. Um, cost containment, right? For businesses, it's all about now keeping the lights on, right? Keeping things moving forward still delivering absolute excellence in whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Um, but cost containment has now come to the forefront for all of us. Unfortunately, when, um, and I hear this over and over and over, and, and this is not pointing fingers, this is understanding that we, the modern era has never faced something like this. So um, the leaders in the community, our elected officials and everyone in between, uh, is doing the best they can to navigate these waters also, sure. right? But until you've uh, walked a day in my shoes or your shoes, you'll never understand my challenges. So we wanted to uh, put together a deck, uh, a foundation, and then there's a lot of technology behind what we're trying to do that focused on cost containment. So now you have a new site that you're working on, savelocalnyc.com. Yeah, so this was a complete collaboration between my brother Brian and I and and you know when, when we look back on other we'll call it tragic times and in, 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 in specifically in, in New York and you know how did we reboot right you got to look back at those experiences uh, you know and, and use them to say okay what what 
worked and, and, yeah. and how can we help our customers get past the moment? Um, how can we also future ourselves at the same time? And, 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 and a great credit to the Valpac Corporation, uh, my banks, and, and uh, you know, just on collaboration of the Save Local NYC project. And Save Local NYC is, is, uh, is about a million dollars of, of media, media money, right? And, and there is uh, no commitments. There's no, right? If you're a local business owner in, in our territory between Staten Island and Brooklyn, and you need to, whatever it is you need, we, we have a 30-minute consultation, which is completely free, and then you fill out a 30-second a form uh, we will then put together a, a media budget and uh, apply money. There's no future commitment. There's no financial commitment. The money is there to be spent and to be used by local businesses. Wow. And and the idea is, is to give back, right? So being of service, whether whether it was Sandy or, or, or you know, on the back of uh, 9-11, I, I, I look back and we always provided something of service to our business community, and and that um, that will hopefully uh, help the local community now so and and in the future. I, I applaud you for this in a time when I can tell you um, it's desperately needed. So for folks to investigate this, they go to savelocalnyc.com. Yep. And uh, Sean and his team and his preferred lenders have made available a million dollars. Or small businesses that are struggling as they try and reemerge from the pandemic here. I think that that's absolutely brilliant. I, I applaud you for it. Uh, we need more of this now, right? So we, it's tough. It's, it's always tough to, to go into the budget and to allocate any type of uh, significant resources outside of the immediate demands of the business. They never stop, right? That's a, a big misconception people think as you kind of grow the company as things get bigger, the bills get bigger too, the responsibilities get bigger, the codependencies get bigger, you have more people who are feeding their families and their loved ones that become dependent on you and it becomes very difficult. So when times are good, um, you know, it, it's a lot easier to, to write that check and to do what you, you should be doing in the community. But when times are tough, uh, we've done, I'm very proud to say, our share of this and we'll continue to do it. When times are tough, that's when you really measure a company, right, is when things are hard. So I really applaud you for that because we're, we're in need now. It's, it's a very difficult time out there. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, we're finding that there's been a cumulative toll that is almost like unspoken. We're, we're, we're always talking about what's happening in the moment. But what we found is since March, there's been this progressive building up of frustration, of anxiety, of fear, uh, and it's starting to manifest in everything. You're starting to see it everywhere. People's nerves are frayed. Uh, again, people are afraid. These businesses, in many cases, uh, people have worked their whole lives to build and it's very uncertain times. So thank you for that. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's, it's not exclusive to our existing or former customers. It's, it's, it's open to anybody um, or, or any business. You know, I, I will say that um, for local business or to the local business community, it's time to, it's time to now innovate. Uh, I know the, the 
word of the moment is pivot. Um, and, and, and maybe, maybe that'll be here for a while, but you know, I think what you're going to see here, James, is businesses shaping their economics quite differently. Yep. Uh, as, as, as this starts to go away, as this thing becomes part of the past, we're going to see more people become entrepreneurs. They're not, you know, that there was once this vulnerability about jumping off and I've got this job security and, and, you know, now they've had six, seven months yep. of thinking, you know, I would have, could have, should have jumped off and maybe taken that chance. And that, that, that's going to happen. Um, that's and, a really great observation. Yeah. The pattern was broken and now you'll see this entrepreneurial spirit where people had, cause that's a tough choice. Very difficult to kind of cut the umbilical cord and get out of that comfort zone. Yeah. I also think that the, the intrapreneurial, right. It's a word that not a lot of people are familiar with, but most people in the business community are is, is that, that idea of how can a, an employee make equivalent income to an employer, right? right? Without without all of the associated, you know, office expenses and utilities and so on and so forth. How do I become an entrepreneur? And that that that's that's going to be very pronounced. I think that um, you know people want to work from anywhere mm -hmm. at this point in time, and entrepreneurship allows you to do that. There's been a lot of you know there's there's been some good moments. There's been great moments here in terms of. Spending time with family, silver right? linings, and uh, absolutely silver yeah. linings. You know, there's there's things that I will absolutely not go back to to doing. Agreed. Again. And 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 you know, you have to be grateful for that. You do, you without a doubt, yeah. without a doubt. So, uh, <clears throat> believe it or not, we're already running up against an hour. But I did want to double back really quick. Sure, Morris Smith. Yeah, um, Morris Smith is in the uh, Saturday Night Live uh, Saturday Night Fever clip there. Morris Smith is um, family family friend, uh, my sister's best friend, who unfortunately uh, died in 9-11. She was the only female police officer to die in 9-11. And, wow. and um, I, I'm going to go out here on a limb, James, and, and may, maybe this is something that we uh, uh, we, we do together here. It's um, I, I want to create a movement that, um, you know, 9-11 becomes a day of recognition, right? It becomes a day... Uh, we as a city or we as a country, um, you know, we, we, we take that day to remember our people uh, and what happened on, on, on that day. And, and shall we never forget? It's, it's, it's kind of remarkable and it's tough to <clears throat> not get choked up that it's been as long as it's been. 20 years next year. You know, and we all have our uh, personal experiences and... Um, We'll definitely connect on that. Um, 74th Street is now Morris Smith Way. Wow, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Look, Sean, thank you for everything you're doing in the community. Thank you for everything you've done for Thanks us for the opportunity, in, in our business. It. It's always great to see you. Uh, we should get Thanks, together James. more often. I do want to connect with you on some of these other initiatives offline. Uh, everybody out there, <clears throat> thank you again for the support. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the criticism. Keep it all coming. We're, we're having a good time with this, and um, we'll catch you on the next one, everyone. Stay safe.